Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you on a Boss McWednesday. I hope you're well. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. Director Matthew in the house, by the way. You can find us on Twitter if you're driving around town. Appreciate you listening on 93.3. If you are watching on Warchan TV, appreciate you doing that as well. Don't forget to like, subscribe, celebrate, pass it along, and let's get together and do some sports talk radio. Let's go. Let's go. Good day today. I look forward to bringing this to you. Spoke with Link Jarrett earlier this afternoon, and it uh, should be a, a, a good time for you to listen to that interview as we get very, very close to opening day this Friday, 5 o'clock, Dickhauser Stadium, Mike Martin Field, James Madison comes into town, and the Link Jarrett era begins. We'll talk to him today about that. You'll hear that much more in regards to expectations, the lineup, the rotation, uh, lengthening that bullpen, roles for those players and uh, projections as far as starters go. So a good time to talk to Link. I can only imagine just how exhilarating it is for him as a guy that grew up in this community, a guy that uh, obviously went to to school here. I'm talking about all the way through high school and then went on to play for his hometown team at Florida State where he became an All-American and then uh, went on the path to become a coach at various stops, the last of which was Notre Dame, where we all watched Notre Dame go to the College World Series last year via uh, the victory over Tennessee in Knoxville in that Super Regional. Tennessee was the one seed, ratcheting up expectations and the possibility of what could happen for Florida State if they were to be able to procure his services as coach as they made the decision to move on from Mike Martin Jr. He was the candidate, the guy. I think most would say that one of the reasons they made the decision to move on was the thought that now had to be the time or else Link Jarrett would be getting and receiving other offers that would be uh, lucrative and certainly of uh, a higher stature than that of Notre Dame. That is not a, a an all-time great bastion of baseball there at Notre Dame. They don't sink a ton of money into that program at all. And they the, the facilities were lacking. So uh, Link would probably have moved on somewhere else. I think the thinking of the athletic director here, Mike Alford, who, by the way, we should probably have a more in-depth discussion about, Tom, Mike Alford, that is, whose tenure here at Florida State is off to a grand start. Uh, he has become uh, embraced by the Florida State community. And uh, I think celebrated early on in his uh, time here. Doesn't take much to trip that up, but it but it certainly is hard to uh, to screw it up in the beginning and then get back on the right foot. So it's good that he has started well. It is good that he has made splash hires, successful hires, celebrated hires up to this point. 
And he's got an awful lot on his plate right now because there will be a decision that has to be made with basketball in the near future as well. So the job just keeps getting tougher, but so far he has been able to hit home runs. Sorry for the pun, given that opening day is on Friday and the Link Jarrett interview is today. But this was a no-brainer hire for Michael Alford, and Link said yes, and what an opportunity. I remember we were all nervous as Notre Dame was succeeding and knocking off the very, very easily despised Tennessee volunteer baseball team and that group of, um, well, performance-enhanced individuals that uh, whose personalities were tough to wrap your arms around. And by doing so, the thought was, well, oh, no, now Notre Dame will pony up. Maybe he won't leave. No, I think this is Link Jarrett's dream job. I think there's no doubt. How could it not be, given, again, the fact that he played here, grew up here, was an All-American here. This is where he wanted to coach. I asked him about that. I asked him what it's like to be the head man now in his first opening day here as a coach. They're not devoid of talent over there. They are awfully young. I think they have a grand total of 17 freshmen, many of whom will be asked to contribute on this year's team significantly. Uh, One of those freshmen is, uh, well, a very high-profile kid that uh, nobody uh, (laughs) who cares about the, the state of baseball around here, um, you know, hasn't heard of. I mean, the expectations for him is that he could be a star. So I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I haven't been this excited for a baseball season in some time. Uh, New Blood often does that, even if you're not saying something negative about the past group when, when something's been passed on. I mean, the Martins have run this for a very, very long time. That is not a you know, I'm not besmirching the name or sliding the accomplishments of the Martins. I'm saying that sometimes just a new set of eyes and fresh blood is exciting for everybody involved. That includes legendary coaches, the football program, or any other for that matter. Um, sometimes you need that. You need to turn that over. It's funny, the philosophies in America about coaching compared to internationally uh, when you think of soccer are very, very different. And it's funny, if you ever speak to somebody from other countries about the way they view their sportsmen and their coaches, it is very, very different than the way Americans view coaches. We have many instances in which coaches are allowed to be at a singular place for 20, 30, 40 years. Doesn't really happen across the pond and too many other places. They get bored quick. They may be too quick to fire guys. We may be too quick to give guys a reprieve. It always cracks me up. I remember an Australian one time was at a party at FSU, and they're like, wait a minute, your head coach, you're talking about Bobby Bowden, has been here for 30 years? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, that's ridiculous. Should have fired him years ago. I go, you don't know anything about him. He's won a lot. They're like, nobody should be a head coach anywhere for 30 years. That's dumb. (laughs) I started cracking up laughing, and it wasn't much longer that uh, Steve Spurrier agreed and said, yeah, nobody should be a head coach at the same place for more than 10 years. I think what we're seeing with baseball – as well as the athletic department, there's there's a parallel course. That there's new blood, there's fresh blood, and that there seems to be a plan in place that makes us Knowles feel a lot easier about the direction of said program or said athletic department. Because Michael Alford represents the money's in the right place, the votes are in the right place, that you don't have to go walking over to the boosters hat in hand to see how things need to be done or what their opinion on the matter is. And then what Link Jarrett provides as well is from the top down, legitimacy from somewhere else. And that was the number one thing. The number one knock on meat was couldn't he have gone somewhere else? And unfortunately for Mike Martin Jr., his name prohibited prohibited him from having some opportunities at other programs around the country. So 
What Link brings is experience from another place. What the athletic department represents now, the new board of trustees, is we have our ducks in a row from that point all the way through the athletic programs themselves and even into the NIL world. Florida State is in a much healthier place than it was two or three years ago. It's just true. Well, I think modernizing and adapting uh, what is commonplace throughout the collegiate model, which is to have your booster organization insulated, you know, in a way that is much different than what we had before, which is kind of running the show, is is a better model and will be more successful, more modernized. I mean, obviously, it's hard to argue with the previous model with the, for the successes Florida State had all the while doing, doing so with less. Uh, is very, very impressive, always will be. But it was time to move on there. Well, and also a lot of that model worked in the 90s and worked for some parts of the 2000s. But in, in modern times, just look at football, for example, you can't assume that the best 20 players in the state of Florida are going to stay in the state of Florida to go play football. Just It's not the case anymore. So you have to adapt with the times and the athletic department model that got us to where we were. There's Hey, it was more than useful. In terms of that athletic department and the booster model being started from the ground up, that got us to where we needed to go to have 14 straight years as a football program in the top four, to be dominant in the late 80s and early 90s in the big three. And for Mike Martin, beyond that, but for the basketball program, baseball and football, there was that golden era of about five years. Oh, it it was awesome. It got us there. But, you know, times change, and that was 30 years ago. You brought up something that is absolutely true, and, uh, you know, wherever anybody stands on the arguments as far as Martin Jr. for or against when he got hired and the the departure and all those other things, one thing is true, and I I always felt bad about it for Jr. because he tried to leave, and he was a finalist for several jobs, and he couldn't get the job because those other programs thought he would leave the second he could to come back to Florida State. So, therefore, he didn't get the opportunities that – uh, Link Jarrett did in the sense that Link had to go to Flagler and be an assistant coach. He had to go, uh, you know, from there, brief stint as an assistant here. Uh, then he's then he's at Mercer. Um, you know, from there it's East Carolina. Uh, then it's Auburn. Uh, and then he's a head coach at UNC Greensboro. Uh, and then from, from UNC Greensboro, he goes to Notre Dame with that huge opportunity and makes the most of it. And when you go back, if you look at it, He's an assistant coach of the year in 09. He is a Southern Conference coach of the year in 2016 and 2018. He is an assistant coach of the year in the SEC in 2010. 2017, you know, they win the Southern Conference championship. Uh, They win the regular season title in the Southern Conference in 2018. So he's making his way on up. Then he goes to Notre Dame. He's ACC coach of the year last year. He has all these different things, right? But also, he's at different parts of the country where you have to do things different ways, different calibers of program with different levels of funding, different, you know, different facilities, different types of fans, where you, what, you, what kind of player you could bring to that program as opposed to another, very different at Auburn than it is at Greensboro than it is at Notre Dame. Having to adapt, learn from, and grow a program along the way as, and I'm as far down on the rung of the ladder, if you will, as Flagler, no offense, Flagler, and as high up as now Florida State, but previously Notre Dame, I think affords you the, the life experience, but also the professional experience necessary to really be able to come into a job like this and have success early. There, is, there really is no substitute for that kind of experience. And I think that's critical in these early years for him. I, I do believe Florida State will quickly uh, 
hit the ground running and perform well. I, I, this year will be interesting. It is year one. Year ones are always interesting. They're very hard to project, especially with as much roster turnover as this group has had and they're re- being a reliance on some young players. You don't really know. But I, but I would predict success pretty quickly at Florida State for Link Jarrett, and this year is, is a distinct possibility uh, of them having great success as well, despite not being ranked in the preseason, which is also nice to come in with very little expectations. Now, there are a lot of high expectations here in Tallahassee, and, and I'm sure he has high expectations, as he should. But in the world of college baseball, and it's a niche world, uh, Florida State's not expected to be very good. Okay, well, that'll be fascinating. It'll be fun because normally they are. Even in down years, they're projected top 15, top 10. This would be a year where there are very minimal expectations. The thing I'd say is, yeah, I'm one of those who has high expectations here on the local side. There's a lot of talent to be spread around this roster, uh, but that's not going to come without bumps in the road early on, either for young players or experienced sure. players. I think you know when you bring in a new system and there's a new way of doing things in a new order, you, know, you can simulate that all you want in terms of your weekend roles in, in the rotation or the platoons that you want to implement or the position changes that you might have implemented in the field defensively. There's going to be bumps in the road where they don't look real good or real clean. Or dare I say at times, what the hell was coach thinking? I think those moments are coming in the first month of the season at minimum. How could they not be? This is an overhaul. And sometimes things need to get a little worse before they get better. But I think that that, that can all happen in the course of this baseball season. I don't think this is right. a multi year Within project. a singular season. Yeah. yeah, it could be a lot in the way of emotions. Up and down, great weekend series where they overachieve based on projections, and weekend series where they're figuring out roles and they underachieve and lose a series that they're not supposed to, and people, you know, maybe panic. Although baseball teaches a lot of lessons, one of those is patience and never to overreact uh, because the best teams in the league lose to the worst teams in the league all the time in a, in a sport like baseball. So, and vice versa. So you, you, you do realize that any singular result over the weekend is, is not really necessarily an indicator of what this team will be. I am curious to see how they play this weekend. Uh, opening weekend is always interesting to see how people handle the nerves. Uh, you'll, you'll be told this uh, interview that you'll hear in the 2 o'clock hour, that is next hour, we'll play that interview. You'll hear who the starter is going to be, and you'll hear the reasoning behind it. And really, I thought Link did a very good job in this interview of Lane Bear, his philosophy what they're attempting to accomplish with these moves. It is not just sort of willy-nilly. Uh, you can see the way that he views the game. By the way, very modern. We've come a long way in baseball, in college baseball in particular, where it more mirrors the professional game and the way that it's managed these days, thankfully. Uh, one of the things that I, that I like about that, and for years, those that were fans of uh, the advanced metrics, as they were originally called, uh, w- w- they would tell you that the leverage situations matter no matter when they happen, high leverage situations happen throughout the course of a baseball game. It may happen in the fourth inning, not the ninth inning. If you've got a guy who can miss bats frequently and you're in a jam in a 2-2 game in the fifth, maybe the time to bring that guy in now with runners at first and second and nobody out as opposed to just waiting to bring him in because of tradition in the ninth. I do like that it sounds like we're, we're moving in that direction. Finally, it's a hell of a lot easier to do in college than in the pros, though, because in the pros, saves equal dollars, you know, for the agents. Although and, that's beginning to change, too. It is, but that's that's going to be a, at a slower rate. In college, mm-hmm. you could be a hell of a lot more aggressive with it. I also just, can I say, you know, I, I thought the previous hire was going to work because Meat was holding this thing together with he did duct for tape a long and time. Band-Aids. Yeah. Like, it, was, it would have been a hell of a lot worse had he not been on the staff for his father 
for the at last the yeah. six to eight years. I mean, and at the end, I think it's a broad period of time. But I am greatly refreshed by the fact that we don't have to have the same bleeping argument about the last name of the head coach relative to bringing home the big prize. We can advance the discussion to a different place with FSU baseball. Yeah. Thankfully. So I think everybody's kind of relieved by that, too, uh, to to varying degrees, obviously, depending on where you stand. But I think that's true. I think it is refreshing. It's hard to get around that. I also think that um, it helps that part of that refreshing discussion and attitude involves one of your own, though. You, you did. You did. I'm not always one of these guys who thinks that you have to hire people from your own coaching tree or from your own. Uh, university. In fact, it's it's silly how often you hear people say, "Well, he's not a North Carolina guy. He's not a whatever. Who cares? He's a good coach. Let's bring him in." You know, it didn't always have to be, and we've seen that now. I mean, Mike Norvell obviously he's he's doing quite well, uh, but but I it is nice when the candidate who's best suited for the job and is the top candidate in the market happens to be one of your own and grew up here and whose family still lives here and who played here and gets Florida State baseball the culture. And the passion. Very few places around the country have as much passion for college baseball as Florida State. There are some, but very few. So it, it, it is nice to know that you got a guy walking into a situation who's fully prepared, embraces it, and loves it, and can't wait to be a part of it again. And uh, he'll embark on that this Friday, 5 o'clock. Next hour, that interview will be heard here on the Jeff Cameron Show. So you'll want to stick, to, uh, stick around for that. By the way, Bill Connolly writes today, with 2023 recruiting in the rearview mirror, transfer portal movement quiet for now, the initial SP Plus projections that he released last week into the wild, as he says, now's a good time as any to set some standards for the teams that conventional wisdom tells us will have the highest standards this fall for each of the teams in the way-too-early top 25 projections. And you can imagine there's a write-up involving our very own Florida State and the lofty expectations are addressed that we have and the reality of that, at least based on some of those numbers and ceilings and floors. And that's coming up next. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply jeff camerson 93.3 real talk radio war chant tv Twitter at Jay Cameron Show, Warchant TV, and Warchant.com for uh, footage of today's show and, of course, while we do it live, and then, of course, the interview as well with Link Jared. I mentioned before the break, college football way too early, top 25, the aftermath of football in the rear view and write-up score with the way too early selections. Bill Conley does his SP Plus rankings, already laid those out earlier in the week, decided to circle back around and take a look um, at floorings. At flo- floorings? <laughs> no, we're not going to look at floorings. Ceilings and floors 
for teams. And guess where Florida State is on this list? Now, Georgia's number one. You might expect that, even with the fact that they're going to have to replace their starting quarterback. Ohio State's number two. Michigan, number three. Florida State is fourth. Head of Alabama. That's uncomfortable. <laughs> I saw the look in your eye as well. It's kind of fun, right? Uh, biggest variable. Well, here you go. Ceiling, 11-1. and one. Floor, 8-4. and four. The initial SP Plus rankings different than these rankings. Yeah. That would be 11th preseason, whereas Alabama's is 4th. Which that felt a little weak. Like, not Alabama's ranking, but 11th? 11th. Well, Come on. Remember, SP Plus, it takes some time. You have to yeah. add... Well, Hurry up, SP Plus. <laughs> you have to add. Let's get going. It takes a couple of years in a row where you are productive in the recruiting world, the on-the-field world, all not just a singular well, season. It's also got to account for transfer portal. Come on, SP Plus. It is. The portal. Make that the P and SP. Biggest variable, expectations. Quote, now we get to the teams in the 11-1 and to 8-4 and or 7-5 and range. After finishing the season on a six-game winning streak and leading the nation in returning production, the Knowles are all but guaranteed to start the season in the AP Top 10 for the first time since 2017. That they're projected only 11th in SP Plus says they may not have the overall roster that the other contenders do. However, they still face trips to, and they still face trips against Clemson and Florida, a game versus LSU in Orlando, and likely home run swings from all the others yeah well they the the fact that they'll be the hunted now is, is certainly self-evident we've talked a little bit about that i don't worry about that i don't care about that i mean if you're good you understand that people want to beat you good teams experience that every week that's just part of the the maturation of a good team uh you go from not being a good team to being a good team and i'll tell you this that uh, the hard work that it takes from going to uh from being a bad team to be a good team uh, just because expectations are thrown upon you and you're getting everybody's best shot doesn't mean you're about to lay down initially because you like the feeling of being good and you like the feeling of beating people's asses. Beats the hell out of the alternative. It's as simple as that. The second you get a taste for it, a little bit like uh, like blood, and uh, you know, you're know you a wild animal, I mean, the sport is ruthless. It's a good feeling. It's You want more of that. You want more of the, uh, the conquering and... Uh, there, there, I don't think anybody worries about those expectations. The, the 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 noise that comes with those expectations is a different subject matter as opposed to facing everybody's best shot. On the field, the guy across from you desperately wanting to beat you because you're of significance, a name, is a very different set of expectations and what you're dealing with as opposed to the noise that comes with national conversation. Yeah, that's true. I, the thing I'd say is there are certain teams that have expectations that are this high that are more finesse-based, and then there are some that power. have power and toughness. But mental toughness counts for a lot, too. And that's where I think, actually, we're in pretty good shape. Because you think about Jordan Travis and what he did against Florida and how he had to win the game totally by himself. So that's interesting that Mike is doing it again, but I'm glad it's doing it because we now have somebody here who can try to fix this mic as it's happening while we're alive. And I know where you were going. With that, I do think we're equipped to handle this without question. Um, you have a veteran-laden club. You have Jordan Travis, who's already overcome a ton in his own right. You have 
veteran players, even the ones in which were, you know, they were on the field for you a year ago. They were not the guys that you necessarily grew with, but they are transfer portal players that have played a lot of football. So they'll come in, too, with a veteran's presence again. See if you can, on the fly, replicate the, the, the muddled sounds we just heard. All right. There it is. There you go. Got it. And with that, we go to commercial break. <laughs> you got to like the behind-the-scenes glimpse. There it is from behind the curtain. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Michael Jordan will turn 60. And that's remarkable to me and makes me feel old. My wife and I were having a conversation the other day, and uh, the indicators that you're getting old or when your contemporaries are old and you realize, oh, that's me. Uh, yeah, the, the, the people that you watched who are maybe just, just a tick older than you but look like kids when you first discovered them, be it musicians or athletes or writers, actors, you name it, people in the public eye. Then all of a sudden they look old. The latest Tiger Woods commercial is funny with Rory McIlroy and Colin Morikawa. When you watch it, it'll hurt your heart a little bit because for the first time, Tiger looks old, just being, just standing, not doing something, not walking and limping and staggering around the, the course from all the injuries that he's suffered, but rather just his presence, the camera hitting his face. You go... Mm. Tiger's looking old. MJ, not so much as he sits, no doubt reveling in the fact that he's a billionaire and the fact that he bought the Charlotte Hornets for $175 million. They're now worth $1.5 billion. You know that? Oh, NBA franchises age very, very well. Yeah. Most professional sports franchises tend to age very, very well. That's why when owners say, Buy me a, know, build oh, me a stadium or, or extend your middle finger. Yeah, I'm losing money here. Yeah, up no, front. No, you're, yeah. Wait, wait till you put it up for sale. <laughs> yeah, you're not losing think, any money. I think you're doing okay. So on the one hand, I'm going to give Mike some credit here. And on the other hand, I'm just noting a few things that, uh, to me, are, are interesting. So he'll be turning 60 years old uh, on Friday. And, of course, I remember Mike as a freshman at North Carolina. Damn it, man. Think about that. When you're a freshman in college, you're, you know, 18-ish. He's going to be 60 <laughs> this Friday. You, you know, the guy who hurt me recently, just looking at, there's quite a few pop culture things. They're releasing a new, well, not a new, but a rethought-out album. See how old Bono's gotten? Oh, very, buddy. Well, he, he's, he is shrinking. Well, he was always short, 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 Oh, man. but it's. He's gotten really short now. Well, that, it's in, it's. That is alongside uh, his memoir, which I read, Surrender. It's good. It's really good. But, yes, the road's been tough, even for those who've made as much money as, uh, as he has. Uh, it's like when I say semis. When you say memoir, I think of John Malkovich. <laughs> it is uh, a memoir. Yeah, it is. I'm working a on memoir. a memoir. Yeah. So, anyhow, he finished that, and I read it, and it's good. And it's very interesting. But he's looking ancient. There's, there's no getting around that. Mike does not look ancient. Mike looks healthy. 
even though he hasn't been. I mean, that man will pour back bottles of red wine and several cigars in an afternoon. Hey, but more power to you, Mike. Good news is Mike's going to donate. This is really cool, actually. Mike's going to donate $10 million to make a wish on his 60th birthday. It is the largest donation ever received by the Make-A-Wish Foundation in the 43-year history of said organization. That's all at once surprising on the historical front. Mm-hmm. You would think that somebody along, you know, at some point. Mm-hmm. But that's amazing. Good job. Yeah, good job, right? Yeah, bravo. Yeah. There's no, there's no, I mean, full stop. Good job. There's no caveat to that. There's nothing. Great job, Mike. And by the way, for anybody that certainly is familiar with Make-A-Wish, it's hard to argue uh, with the work that they've done and, and the consistency with which they've done it and the joy that they've brought to thousands and thousands of desperately ill children. And it's awesome. It's just awesome. Uh, Jordan's hope, he says, is that the decision to celebrate his birthday by donating Make-A-Wish to Make-A-Wish in this capacity will inspire others to help fulfill the wishes uh, for other charities as well as Make-A-Wish in in you know, who have the means to do what he's doing here, and he certainly does, uh, that others will do the same. Um, Mike basically, he, he first supported Make-A-Wish back in the 80s. He, he talked about that um, and has granted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of wishes for children all over the world. Now, that doesn't Make-A-Wish produce that information, not Mike, uh, which is really, really cool. It is. Uh, you don't hear that about Michael Jordan a lot. You do not. So there's you another do not. surprising nugget that he would actually fulfill these these wishes. He doesn't strike me as the guy that would get on a plane and do something like that, but uh, I'm glad to know that because there are plenty of stories of him spitting on the food that he doesn't want others to eat. During a commercial shoot. Right. The cinnamon buns that he doesn't want anybody else to have, yes. Yes, that too was written about by Wright Thompson. That is the behavior of... An insane human being. Hopefully that wasn't for a PSA for Make-A-Wish. No. It was also a long time ago, maybe, but still it happened. It is a thing that's documented. People are complex, especially when they become as famous as Michael Jordan did and is and as rich as he is also. Uh, It can be a weird existence, I think, not excusing it away. But what you do is you read that article and you go, my God, sir, what the hell? Pet you an 11-year-old child. And then you turn around and read this story and you go, awesome. Way to go, Mike. Well, one thing I was going to say in the previous segment, nobody has a mean streak like Michael Jordan. I don't even think Tiger had it at his peak or Kobe tried to mimic it, but it wasn't the same. Michael's was the most organic, cruel Want to kind of mean lay streak. waste to you. Yes. I mean, cruel. Like, that, that was the extra element to it. And we don't have anybody like that on this team for Florida State football, but what I would say is when Jordan beats Florida single-handedly, that takes a lot of mental toughness. Trey Benson, an early run in that game, shoves down a defender. That shows that he's got a little nasty edge to him, and there are several plays like that for Trey this year where you say, oh, oh my goodness. Johnny Wilson will block you into the third row if you let him. Yeah. Micah Pittman will do the same from a smaller stature, but he'll do it. We could use a little bit more grit and toughness on the offensive line. We could stand to get there a little bit. But then on defense, Jared Verse leads the way and is one mean sucker on the defensive line, and he sets the tone. Think about the end of the Oklahoma game in the Cheez-It Bowl and all the smack he's talking to the offensive lineman who says, you're never going to the NFL. That's actually kind of an uncomfortable video clip. As the bowl is done, they don't get the snap off with triple zeros on the clock. Jared running after the offensive lineman and screaming him down and pointing in his face in a demonstrative way, that could have led to a fight. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point this year, 
you might see 15 yards both ways because of something Jared Verse started on the field. I'm really okay with all of that. I am too, but I'm this is really what okay you need. with all of that. This is what you need to go from one level to the next is you've got to have competitors that are like that. It takes its form in different varieties, and we have that, but we don't have finesse players. We have a lot of tough-minded players. So big picture conversation about competitive spirit and crossing a line. Look, if you're a world's best at something, typically speaking, you're not well-adjusted. Aren't too many people very well-adjusted that are also the very best at what they do, like Mike was, like Tiger was, you name the people, right? There's something, there's a wire loose, there's something wrong with them. There almost has to be to forego all that they turn their back on and the way of simple pleasure solely to become the very best in the world at something, right? The, 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 the countless days, hours, months, years toiling without any cameras or anybody around to become that great at a simple thing. It could be any number, a swing thought, a reverse, whatever it might be, right? Uh, when they are your teammate, you deal with the cruelty and the and the oddities because they're going to perform on game day, and you want to win as much as they want to win. Perhaps that's the one thing you have in common is the wanting to win. And it is just funny because usually I find the perspective on one's greatness, especially at this level, has a lot more to do with whether they played for you, for your favorite team, or with you. If the answer is yes to that, you love those bastards. If they didn't, they're, something's wrong with them. They need to be exposed. They're awful human beings. Now, there are awful human beings out there who, who do get exposed, and then there are those that just cross the line of competitive nature. I wouldn't say it goes so far as criminality, but there's something wrong with them is, I think, objectively true in most cases, as you said in the beginning, which they're not normal. Wrong can just be not normal and, and not baseline. Like, and so, normal's a weird word. There's probably a better way to say it, too, other than that. But, I, I yeah, it's, it's a... An unhealthy work ethic? <laughs> right. Unhealthy. Unhealthy. To the unhealthy. extreme. Yeah. To the extreme. Yeah. And, you know, one player that I'd like to talk about on the fly as his career was winding down, you know, Steve Smith, the wide receiver. Yeah. Could not, him and Delome together on that Panthers team, you just, they, they were so punchable. They're, 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 everything about them, you're just like, ugh, these guys. Steve wanted to fight you after every play. He, he still does this when he's on the sidelines for a pregame show. Yeah. You saw that one clip where, like, the throw comes close to him, the ball comes close to him when he's doing a field report, yeah, yeah, and he's, he's like, threatening to fight people. But by the time he got to Baltimore and he took off a, a uniform of somebody in my d- d- division and goes yeah. somewhere else, I'm like, oh, you know what? I kind of like Steve Smith. I want him on my team. Uh, yeah. uh, he's going to go to war for I you. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's the change in uniforms at all, but I just appreciate him now. Well, anyhow, Mike's turning 60. I feel old. He's all-time great. Everybody knows who Michael Jordan is, one of the transcendent athletes in the history of sport, and now going to give $10 million to make a wish, which is awfully nice. Certainly we document when he doesn't do good things, such as, you know, his entire tenure as owner of the Charlotte Hornets. What would he do if the make-a-wish for the young man who's desperate to meet Michael Jordan was to disown the Charlotte Hornets? Please move on. We haven't won a thing since you've been here, Mike. Thanks for coming to my bedside, but will you promise me you're going to give up ownership of the Charlotte Hornets? I think the way to say that would, you're not tough enough to do that. Or Charlotte Bobcats these days. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll keep calling them the Hornets. No, they're back to the Hornets. Are they back? To, yeah. yeah. Yeah, New Orleans had to release the Hornets. He bought the, the Bobcats, and yeah, now they're the yeah, Hornets. Yeah. yeah. They're so insignificant on an annual basis that I forget. The kid would have to say, you don't, you're not tough enough to do it. You're not tough enough to sell the team. And then he'll take it <laughs> well, personally. They- <laughs> 
I will tell you that the last dance of times are our moments that make you uncomfortable, but there are also some awesome moments of what for. Moments where you're like, I'm okay with that. He was, speaking of player he was yelling at, a bitch and needed to be yelled at. I'm okay with that. Yeah. There are a couple dudes that he got after that I thought, yeah, that's fine. I I know your take, and and I get it. I really understand it. Uh, it's it's very simple, but it's very true about Phil Jackson and and what a circumstance that befell him. A two lovely times set in his of career. circumstances. Well, let's see. I'm no longer the coach of the Bulls, but I guess I'll just mosey on over and be the head coach of Kobe and Shaq with the Lakers. It'll work out. However, after watching the Last Dance, he didn't do nothing. No, no, no. There yeah, was yeah. A the lot manager of Egos is a lot. I mean, with. you got Rodman at his peak. Pippen, who the more he talks, the more you like, the less you like him in general, just in life. I never liked him anyhow. And then Jordan couldn't have been easy, and we all know that. We all knew that. In some ways, Mike could have been easy, though. You know what you're getting from Mike every day. Yeah. He showed up to work. Now, he may punch one of his teammates, and you're right. going to have to deal with the aftermath, but, you know, you know what you're getting with Mike. What you don't know is Rodman, Pippen, those guys. And how Mike interacts with those two, because he, he can't do it just by himself. You need something. <laughs> <laughs> and so when he pissed off Scotty, and Scotty is interesting, that's just, he's probably like, this is a really great job. Wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. This day sucks. I got to deal with sucks. this. I got to deal with this. This is awful. I don't know where Dennis is. Scotty's complaining about not being in the game more. Michael's just out there yelling at dudes that are basically the pro, <laughs> pro equivalent of walk-ons and throwing <laughs> basketballs at their head. They're just rotation pieces. <laughs> And Mike doesn't understand why they can't hit that shot. He's he's already bloodied two <laughs> noses out on the practice court. Got to be tougher. Dennis could be dead. Which, whatever. I mean, yeah, you'd have been like, okay, we'll live. Who's we going to rebound We for won us? without Dennis. They won championships before Dennis got Kukoc there. thinks he's got a gift. Kukoc was underrated. You, gotta, you have to talk to Mike about this. Scotty didn't like Kucho. Mike actually liked Tony, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. So I need you guys a favor. I barely mentioned that Florida State plays basketball tonight. But they do. They do play basketball tonight on the road at, uh, as we used to like to say, the Little John. What quality went on the road? Gene was at the game the other night when I was there. Just as a fan, he was there. He had the face paint on. Yeah, he's great. Uh, Hello, Gene. Thanks for listening. FSU is 8-18, 6-9 in the ACC. Clemson, however, has been sort of a Cinderella story this year after being god-awful a year ago. Perhaps they present as uh, a possibility for next year for Florida State, a similar type turnaround. Clemson's 18-7, 10-4 in the ACC. The game is, as I said, at the Little John tonight at 7 you can find it there on good old Bally Sports Florida, televised on RSN locally, if that's your cup of tea. Not easy to get. Okay. Don't worry, you're not missing much. FSU taking on uh, the role of spoiler yet again. They're looking to avenge a loss that they gave away to Clemson, 82-81, back uh, as recently as January 28th at the TLC Double C. And I hate to admit this, but there were some terrible decisions late in that game by the coaching staff that cost them said game. That was a poorly coached team that evening. Yeah, straight up. 
straight up they lost the game because of the management the last couple of minutes. I mean, you could talk about other things throughout the course of the game, but the way the last minute, minute and a half went, it just, you found a way to lose it. And this is not a year where you want to invent a way to lose a basketball No, if anything, this would be the year that you have to overcome the many deficiencies the roster that you built possesses. So it it, it hurts. Uh, and I, by the way, Clemson has dropped a few lately, including an ass kick in 91-71 to North Carolina the past Saturday there that uh, has cost them dearly as they have slid from surely in as a mid-level seed to, I don't know if you're getting in. So we're going to get their best. We haven't played well. This adds up to an ass beaten in all likelihood. The last time FSU was swept by Clemson in a season series February of 2010, we've owned them. We lost 77-67 um, and then uh, turned around and lost 53-50. Jesus. At the TLC double C. I'm glad I don't remember that game. That's like high school. But, again, I don't imagine things will uh, will go well. Uh, I, I, you know, look, this is, this is, it's tough. It's tough. It, it, it will be interesting to see. If they fight tonight, I'm actually kind of curious to see if they fight. Well, I go back to your conversation that you had yesterday on Seminole Headlines when you were talking about the future of it. Could he save it, his own program? And all it is right now, I would think, is about crowdsourcing and making sure that you have the NIL, money. NIL the money's funds. necessary. Yes. Yeah. yeah, right. It's at least about roster, well, you know, roster construction, yeah, if yeah. not about procuring a Another assistant, a different assistant. Maybe I, I a don't few know. More assistants, yeah. I, yes, what, whatever he's asking for, it's going to cost money, and so that's what the next two to three months has to be about for Leonard is having those conversations, but then being able to make the pitch. What was it uh, from the Sopranos? Junior said he just couldn't sell it. Leonard's going to have to sell it. He's going to have to because you need money to get out of the situation. There's no other way out of it. Well, luckily, he's a man of great integrity and honesty, and his reputation precedes him. So if you have the necessary funds to have a sit-down conversation with the caliber of player that could help turn this around or players, I don't think it'll be hard for him to just be himself and win somebody over. The money has to be there, though, right? Yes, that's that's the first thing. Hell, man, I don't know how much energy and, and time Leonard has in terms of being able to turn this around in the next two to three years, uh, next year be, being pivotal. But but let's just say he's all in. Feel great. Never felt better. I'm alert, sharp, ready to roll. Well, man, at that point, hell, I might invest my own money. Leonard's got plenty of it. Uh, if you're going to be here long-term and you want to be here long-term, you better have a winning season that takes this team to the tournament next year. To have a winning season next year, they, they got to radically alter that roster. That roster is cheeks. Maybe the record label can invest in the NIL. Whatever they got. I mean, that, that that roster is cheeks. They have got to do better than what we have here in the backcourt for sure. <laughs> Ira mentioned something yesterday. For the people on War Chan TV, they just got a, a spectacle. Yeah, it was good. Actually, two of them there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about tired if tired is the right word, and, and Ira was pushing back on that being the word to describe Leonard. But shook is the right word. He's willing to openly admit what miscalculations he made about college basketball in general and, and his own mistakes, and then say, this is a big, i got a big problem here. He's shook. My point with, with the people that 
want to hear more emotion from Leonard Hamilton is when you've when you've got a steely resolve and you've overcome as much as he has in his life, and you're aware of the problem, you're not in the dark. Not much more you're going to do but say, I'm aware of the problem and begin to move forward. You've already done so in your head. Hour two forthcoming.